Welcome into the newest edition of Rangers Rumblings Podcast. I am your host, Hayden Smith. You can always find me on Twitter at BUHMoney. Thank you so much for tuning in. And uh, it's been a while. It's been a, it's been a good while. I think it's been about three months since I recorded an episode. Um, here we are. We're sitting here on August 20th. Texas Rangers maintaining their status as the best team in the American League. Um, according to MLB.com, I have a 97% chance of going to the postseason. So uh, not to put so much stock in those kind of projections and and things like that, but it's a good place to sit, really good place to sit. So what I want to talk about today is, um, well, last weekend, uh, Jamie Newberg uh, had a, a Newberg report event uh, at the ballpark, and uh, that was great, and uh, got to get one of those Adrian Beltre bobbleheads. Um, but there was a Q&A session with John Daniels, and, uh, and that was lasted about an hour, I think. And so uh, some fans got to ask him some really interesting questions, and JD had some had some really interesting answers, too. Um, I was really looking forward to that personally um, because I know from other interviews and, and things like that that John Daniels is really uh, open and forward and uh, honest with his interviews and with his answers. So um, he didn't disappoint there. Um, and said a lot of interesting things and things that I want to share with you and uh, expand on more. But first, I actually want to talk about uh, Robert Manfred, the uh, relatively new commissioner of Major League Baseball. And um, if you know anything about Robert Manfred, then you probably know that he's obsessed with pace of play. And um, so if you don't know, baseball games last you know a little over three hours on average and that's like 15 minutes more or so uh, than what the, the average time of game was in like the 80s or 90s or something like that. So games are lasting about a quarter of an hour longer, and, uh, you know, it is what it is. Now, Robert Manfred thinks that that is like a code red problem, that these extra 15 minutes are actually going to bring about the baseball apocalypse, and nobody will watch baseball anymore. Um, especially, especially those, those dang millennials with their short attention span. So, uh, he's he's obsessed with shaving seconds off the game at a time, uh, but he's also obsessed with making the game more exciting. There needs to be more runs, more offense, more more firepower, uh, more bad pitching. I guess uh, is a way to put it. So, I have a huge problem with Robert Manfred, like. A humongous problem with him. Um, I really honestly question if he's even a fan of baseball. So let's just jump right into some of these proposed rule changes that he has um, set out there with the the objective of all of these rule changes are to uh, increase offense and keep the game shorter, which for some reason nobody has like tapped him on the shoulder and said, hey, Bob, um, those two things are like opposing each other you can't like what are the shortest baseball games they're one to nothing games pitchers duels those games last a little over two hours um it's the games that are full of offense that take a long time those are the ones that are going to be on the higher end of your bell curve of the length of game like more offense means longer games so do you want more offense or do you want shorter games They, they you can't they're they're completely opposites. Anyway, um, some of these rule changes. Uh, he wants to ban infield shifts. Or I should preface this with 
what he wants to do. I guess technically he's just talked about them and like proposed them, not that things that he's are he that he is actually campaigning for and uh I guess trying to push through. But these are things these are ideas that he thinks are worth considering. So anyways, he wants to ban infield shifts, which would lead to more runs and uh longer games. So here we go. We fulfilled one goal but we did not fulfill the other one. So that can't work. And here's the thing with banning infield shifts. Like, what is a shift? Is it taking two steps towards the line in the outfield? Is it holding a runner on um, at first base? Is it playing the infield in when it's a tight game and you want to stop any ground ball and get a, get a play at the plate? Is it um, having your middle infielders shade up the middle Is for a double play? Is that an infield shift? Or is that a, is that a shift? Is... is um, your outfielders all taking 10 steps back in a no doubles alignment. Is that a shift? Like, do you want to ban that too? Because that's just strategy. That's like not allowing plays to be run in basketball. Like, no, you can't run plays and try to try to do your best and try to beat the other team. You must just stand there. Uh, I, d- I don't get it. I, that's just dumb. It's, yeah, I, I, it's dumb. I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. Um, he wants to limit the number of relievers that a team could have. Um, I actually just was dumbfounded when I read about this. Um, he thinks that uh, the ends of games are not so exciting because we have guys like Andrew Miller, Dylan Batansis, um, Matt Bush, whoever else is throwing straight fire out of the bullpen, shutting people down, striking people out left and right. And you know what? There's just no more good old-fashioned comeback victories in the late innings because these, you know, these players, they're actually really good. And so you know what we need to do is we need to limit the number of bullpen pitchers that teams are allowed to carry on their roster. That way, we'll have teams, they will be forced to put worse pitchers in in these uh, crucial situations, and they'll probably give up some runs, and then that'll be exciting, right? This is just idiotic. I... Does he know how baseball works? Um, first off, of course, so we have more runs, which leads to a longer game, which would fail to achieve like one of his primary goals. So that's just kind of dumb. He's playing himself. Um, but anyways, let's let's see what would happen when you limit the number of relievers that a team can carry. Are jobs going to be taken away from your your high leverage high strikeout relievers no you're going to take the jobs away from guys like Alex Claudio and uh you know Anthony Bass from last season um it's going to be the the seventh and eighth men of your bullpen that are going to lose their jobs the high leverage guys are still going to be there but you know what else you're going to do is that since there's going to be fewer relievers you're going to have to pitch those guys in more games and you know what's going to happen is that they're going to get injured. They're going to get tired and become ineffective and or they're going to become injured. So I don't really understand how that helps baseball at all. I mean, I get the fact that you may not like um, mid-inning pitching changes um, in the effort to win a ball game by creating an advantageous matchup. Um, but to take away people's jobs is moronic and doing so so that you hope that worse pitchers get into the game so that there will be more exciting comebacks is like the idea of like a five-year-old child who thinks more runs is good 
no, like you're the commissioner of baseball. You should understand that like these high power relievers are awesome. Like you want to make sure that you're sitting in front of the TV when Dylan Patances comes on. I'm I, I don't know how else to say this. This is a idiotic idea. I am confident it will never pass through though because uh the union will absolutely not allow people to lose their jobs. So I feel pretty safe about that one. Um Another rule that he wants to implement is a pitch clock. Now, this is already kind of a rule, right? I mean, you have to throw the ball within like 20 seconds or something like that. Um, it's just that nobody ever enforces it. It's kind of like how uh, the umpires were supposed to keep uh, make keep making sure that the, the batters kept one foot in the batting box uh, during the entire duration of the at-bat. And that lasted like a month or two. Um, I think some warnings were given. I think maybe even some st- some automatic strikes were called, but uh, then that kind of people just kind of forgot about that. So maybe actually enforce the rules that you already have. That would go uh, a long way in just making it to where you don't need to have a pitch clock and uh, raising the strike zone or shrinking the strike zone. Now let me ask you, what would happen if you make the strike zone smaller? Um, there's going to be more walks. That's the answer. So more walks is a walk is probably like the slowest thing that can happen in baseball and also the least exciting thing that can happen in baseball. And yet, you know what we need to do is we need to make the strike zone smaller. No. Why would you do that? Well, I mean, that's like what if what if uh, basketball in an effort to change the game to appeal to young people through some kind of anecdotal theory, um, you just made the hoop smaller. No. No. That's not that's not what the game is. I mean, if you want to raise or lower the mound or something like that, you know, that's kind of... I mean, I, I, I'd be willing to listen on that, but, like, to change what a strike is, that's ridiculous. That's just ridiculous. And so, let me, uh, let me propose... Uh, a theory to Robert Manfred right now. Uh, Bob, if you're listening right now, just go ahead and, and uh, maybe put down your phone and, and turn up your radio here for a second. Um, if you think that baseball is losing uh, steam or marketability to young people, then you might be right. Uh, I'm sure that you have a lot of uh, market researchers and stuff like that you know, looking into it for you. So, you know, you might be right. Um, but let me tell you what the problem is not. It is not an extra 15 minutes during the game. It is not the fact that there's not enough scoring or enough dramatic comebacks in baseball. It's the fact that you hold on to every kind of media and marketability of your game and you just clinch it with white knuckles. Um, I missed a Rangers game uh, sometime last week and something exciting happened. I cannot remember which game it was. Um... But I wanted to see the I th- you know what I think it was when we scored three runs against the Rockies, um, that uh, three runs in the ninth inning. Um, I didn't get to catch that game, so I wanted to see the highlights, right? So I'm on my phone, and it takes it takes me forever to find these highlights. One because um, the Major League Baseball's mobile site is garbage. Two, the video playback is pretty terrible most of the times. Three, you have to watch an advertisement every time you want to see a highlight. But fourth and most of all is that I had to go to 
mobile.mlb.com, search this, search that, try to find my selected video, instead of just being able to go to Twitter and see highlights on Vine or, or something like that. Do you know how much basketball I watched during the regular season? It's pretty small. But I can tell you that I've seen hundreds of Steph Curry highlights. Why? Because he's exciting and electrifying, and people put that stuff into my Twitter timeline. Now, you can't tell me that uh, Bryce Harper, Ma- uh, Manny Machado, uh, Mike Trout, uh, all of these awesome players, that they are not exhilarating and electric. But guess what? They are never in my timeline. I, you know what? Mike Trout, I saw he did have a uh, home run robbery uh, against the Mariners. I think it was last week. And I still haven't seen the play. I've seen pictures. I've seen the picture of where he, the ball is in his glove as he robs the home run. But I haven't actually seen the play because it's just so hard to find highlights of Major League Baseball. Now, if baseball was actually like with it, then they would allow, hey, let somebody uh, record a vine of this, and then everybody's going to see it and be like, man, Mike Trout is awesome. I want to watch this game. But instead, they're like, just go to MLB Gifts page on Twitter, and then you'll see the highlights that you crave. And they're just so stupid. Like, they are shooting their own selves in the foot. Another thing that's in the same vein is all of these dumb blackouts with MLB TV and watching the game. I'm able to watch the Rangers um, right now this season um, through Fox Sports Go and stuff like that. But that was only possible because of a court case. Like, why is it so hard to watch baseball? That's the biggest question is I don't care and nobody's going to care if games are 15 minutes longer or if there's infield shifts or not or if there's a pitch clock. They want to care if they can actually watch the game and enjoy it and see highlights and stuff. I mean, nobody's going to sit there with a stopwatch and be like, well, this game's in the eighth inning, but it just passed the two-hour and 55-minute mark, which was the average time of game in the 80s, and therefore I'm out of this game, and I do not want to watch this game anymore. Like, that's just stupid. Stop barking up the wrong tree. Start expanding the market. Because, I mean, guys like Andrew McCutcheon should be superstars. Like, they should be national figures, like a Kevin Durant or something like that. But he's not. Why? Not because he plays baseball, but because Major League Baseball doesn't market their players well. The average NFL game takes about four hours. And if you really think about it, there's not that much scoring either. They just score their points in different increments by a touchdown being worth six points and a field goal being worth three. So let's just take like an average standard football score of like 21 to 28. How many scores actually happened? Probably seven. There was probably seven touchdowns. And if you put that in baseball terms, that's a three to four game, which is you know pretty standard. It's probably a run or two below average um, for a baseball game. But it's not the fact that scoring happens less um, or the the game is too long. It's just that you're not marketing your game well. I mean, let's also look at soccer. Soccer games take a little less time. Um, they take about two hours once you count that uh, like the halftime break. Um, but how many times do do people score in soccer? Like two or three times total per game. Um, and yet, soccer is the number one game worldwide, hands down, no question about it. So, it's not the fact that there's not a lot of scoring. It's not the fact that games are lasting 15 minutes longer than you would like. It's the fact that just you aren't marketing your product well. And the fact 
just an, another another side of this man i hate, ah another side of this is that you're admitting that you have a flawed product here we have the commissioner of baseball saying these games are too long and they're not exciting enough what the heck are you doing do you even enjoy baseball you think that a scoring a run is the only way to have fun watching baseball you think that changing all of the rules so that people aren't able to play baseball competitively um, is a way to make sure that games are shorter. It just doesn't make any sense. I, d I, d I don't know if he's a fan of baseball. Like I, I just keep reading these articles that come out um, and just shake your head along with me. Fight the power. I don't know if we really can do anything. I have a lot of faith in the players' union um, that they're going to fight for everybody's job. They're going to fight for the game staying the same as far as strike zones and shifts and stuff like that. It just makes no sense. Um, Manfred has, like, the wrong lens. Who gave him this job anyways? Like, what did he say in his interview? Did he say all this crap? Or, like, is this all just new that he started saying once he got the job? Um, anyways, I think I heard that Eric Nadell is going to be interviewing uh, Manfred at some kind of forum at SMU sometime in September or something like that. So um, be on the lookout for some details about that. Maybe you can... Um, go to the event or something like that and there might even be a Q&A who knows and then you can say hey do you even like baseball and then let me know what he answers so let's shift gears a little bit and talk about the Rangers so like I said I went to the Newberg Report event last weekend and uh, participated in the John Daniels Q&A session uh, I didn't actually ask a question myself but I did take a lot of notes um, I wrote down pretty much every question and answer that that happened there. So I'm just going to go through a few of these and just share some of the answers that JD said that I thought were particularly interesting and insightful. Um, unfortunately, it's kind of every single answer um, was insightful and interesting. So um, I'm just going to try to go through these as quick as I can and uh, just kind of share some of that insight with you. So um, the first question that was asked was that if uh, JD were to write Moneyball today, what's the market inefficiency that he would exploit? And... Um, Basically, the answer that JD gave was uh, the culture. Um, we see it, it's really easy to believe that answer uh, because how many times have you read about how players are talking about the good culture that's in Texas? Um, every free agent or guy that just comes through here talks about how great the team is, and they don't say like really kind of whitewashed, generic answers because you know they're talking about their employer. They they go above and beyond. Um, Ian Desmond comes to mind for sure. Just about the experience of live of uh, you know being with the Rangers and and being with these guys day in and day out. Um, so that's something that I'm really proud of. Um, that the culture and people they like being here. Um, and JD says that they they really prioritize the little things that they do for the players in the clubhouse and on the field and stuff like that. Um, so that's that's really cool. In regards to roster expansion. He said that we can expect that we will, at the minimum, uh, call up an extra infielder, outfielder, and catcher. Um, and there there wouldn't be a lot of surprises. Uh, a guy that he mentioned was Ryan Rua. Of course, this happened right before uh, Chu went down for the rest of the regular season. So And then and then Rua got called up. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, he's not looking forward to seeing a bunch of pitchers come up and pitch a lot of meaningful innings. Um, it's just going to be more of like depth pieces that are allow uh, kind of our, our main arms to get some rest. Somebody asked JD about 
Andrews and Profar, I actually think it was Adam Morris from LoneStarBall.com, but uh, asked about Andrews and Profar going forward, um, how we're going to deal with having two shortstops on the roster, um, maybe starting this winter and looking forward to 2017 and beyond. Um, JD said that he doesn't doubt that Profar can play second base or play shortstop. Um, he said that he's got a really good internal clock and positioning, uh, which makes up for kind of what he might be deficient in when it comes to foot speed. Um, he also believes that Elvis is still really good defensively. He just has some uh, laps and focus sometimes. So uh, he doesn't expect to trade either of these players. He thinks that we're better with both of them, uh, but that we also need to be open-minded when it comes to trading. Uh, one thing that he also did mention, which was a, I don't know, a really good and maybe general manager way of looking at it, is that he doesn't really see a huge market for shortstops going forward into this offseason because you have teams that, uh, would need a shortstop or if they're rebuilding or something like that well they wouldn't really want to take on Elvis's contract but they also wouldn't want to take on the fact that you only get two years of jerks and profar so we just kind of we both players kind of have their uh, value reducing facts about them when it comes to stuff off the field uh, n uh, regarding their contracts so I thought that was interesting um, and I really did like the fact that he, he doesn't expect to trade either of them. Um, I know that Profar said that he wants to be a shortstop and that basically he kind of demanded to be a shortstop. But uh, we'll see we'll see what happens. It's, it's definitely going to be the number one thing, I think, uh, going into this offseason is what are we going to do with these two quality players and that have different, different pros and different cons to them. Um, so there was another question about um, who thought about moving Ian Desmond to the outfield? And this was also a really interesting answer that he gave, uh, one that I'm really glad I was there to just listen to and write down. Um, he said that multiple guys in their scouting reports over the years um, said that they thought that he could play the outfield, just watching him play shortstop. And uh, there was a scout actually last season that said that they believed that the outfield was his natural position, that he was, he was athletic enough to play shortstop, but he truly was meant for the outfield. And so they, the Rangers, you know, called him. That story is well documented. Uh, he ended up moving to the outfield, uh, moving to left field, and then, you know, establishing himself as our everyday center fielder. And uh, Desmond himself, he said that he feels like he's now where he should have been all along, which is just really interesting, the fact that he probably doesn't want to market himself as a shortstop anymore. Um because he feels like he's where he's meant to be, I guess, where his body and his skills uh, allow him to play more naturally is in center field. So um, good on those scouts having the eye to see a major league shortstop for like seven seasons or something like that and saying it looks like the outfield is his natural position. Um, some other questions that were asked. Let me go through my notes here. Ah, uh, yes, okay. So um, there was a really interesting question about how uh, – the trade negotiations went with the fact that uh, JD has come out and said that something like 32 of our minor leaguers got asked about in these negotiations, which if you just kind of simmer on that number for a little while, 32 minor leaguers uh, got asked about by other teams across the league. That's a huge number. Um, so he was just asking about kind of how that went and, and what they think of that. And uh, he said that JD said that it was interesting the way to see which teams asked about which players. Uh, he mentioned that there are teams that are really kind of sabermetric ori 
sabermetrically oriented, um, and they were going kind of going after the saber superstars in our systems. You know, maybe guys that are uh, really good with on base percentage or something like that. And that you know, there's kind of maybe more traditional teams, uh, more traditional franchises that don't have that sabermetric tilt, and they would ask about those same players, but more of as like a second or tertiary piece um, within a trade. So. I thought that was interesting, too. I, I love the fact that there can be so many variances across baseball in the way that teams are run. Um, just kind of a going on an aside here is that, you know, you kind of think baseball is kind of a universal thing. You know, everybody has a park. Everybody is trying to win games. Everybody is, uh, you know, this has been going on for a long time, over 100 years, you know, like ov- over 150 years, right? Something like that. Um, so you think that there would kind of be a tried-and-true method of, this is the best way to go about winning games. You know, somebody would have figured it out and they would have done it. But, you know, here we are, it's 2016 and there are still innovators. There are still people who think and value different things uh, differently. And I think that is pretty interesting to see certain franchises having certain philosophies and stuff like that. Um, So I did enjoy that answer for sure. Um, One other thing that was asked was about um, how does a player to be named later in uh, a trade come about and basically he said that sometimes it's conditional um, if a player like for example makes a 40-man roster then we get player a but if the guy doesn't make the roster then we get player b or c or something like that um, and that there is always a deadline uh, he did mention that the Lacroix deal the player to be named later in that deal or Lacroix and Jeffress to be fair um, that that is not a conditional player to be named later so uh, there is a deadline set in place somewhere, and uh, there are a certain number of players that Milwaukee will have the ability to choose from, and they will choose that player, and we will be sad about losing him, I'm sure. Um, I always think back to when the Rangers traded for Alfonso Soriano from the Yankees. Uh, we we acquired a player to be named later in that deal, and we chose to pick Joaquin Arias. Um which, you know, you think about, okay, he was a really good prospect. He never kind of really panned out for us. He had some arm injuries and stuff like that. But, you know, pretty pretty interesting player to be named later, later right? Well, there was another guy that was also on the list, and his name was Robinson Cano. So kind of missed on that one. Just because a guy is a player to be named later, do not think that he is just ca- some kind of throw-in deal, uh, basically the equivalent of cash considerations. That is not the case. Um, and with kind of the, the, the guys that we have in the minor league system that are easy to dream on, uh, maybe like a Ronald Guzman or um, it's not going to be Johander Mendez or something like that, but like a Brett Martin or Taekwon Forbes or something like that, uh, you know, it's going to hurt when we find out who the player to be named later is. But Lucroy and Jeffress have been awesome. Um, I think everybody in the Metroplex already loves Jonathan Lucroy. And uh, he's hit like seven home runs since coming over here, which is what the number that he hit last year in Milwaukee the ho- entire season. Um, Jeffress has been good, and it's always good to have another arm out there to, to even out the, the load for, for the bullpen arms because they can get tired really quickly. And, you know, it's September is right around the corner. So we're going to need all hands on deck. Um, would do that trade 10 times out of 10. But still, uh, player to be named later is going to be something worth following. That's going to do it for me here on this episode of Rangers Rumblings. 
Uh, I do like to keep every episode under 30 minutes, and here we are. We're pushing that mark here pretty close. So uh, thank you so much for listening. If you've made it this far, uh, please do leave uh, feedback for me on Twitter at Money or on iTunes or SoundCloud or wherever you're listening to this. Um, let me know what you think. Let me know what your expectations are for the Rangers going forward. And uh, please do let me know if, if uh, you end up going to that Robert Manfred, Eric Nadell SMU thing and uh, letting me know if he lets you ask any questions. I would really be interested in knowing uh, what gets said there. So uh, one more time, thank you so much for listening. Go Rangers.